It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Commanders fans came into the mailbag asking, was the Washington Commanders defense really as bad as it seemed against the Chicago Bears? Turns out, no, it was not. It was worse. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome, Commanders fans, to this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, and you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Just going to just go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders, and from there, you can text me your questions, observations, analysis. I'll text you extra things that you won't just get listening to the program. I'm your host of Locked On Commanders, David Harrison, on Twitter at dharrison82, credential member of the media covering your Washington Commanders for commandercountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate your continued support for the program. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jace jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. On today's show, we're going to zero in on some trade targets, and we're going to talk about culture uh, a little bit. But we're going to start off today's episode looking at the defense. This is our mailbag episode, and I got a lot of questions about the Washington Mayor's defense. The pass rush, which uh, two weeks in a row, we, we've talked about this. So if you go back to last week's mailbag uh, we did a little bit of a defensive film study. Again, I can't share actual NFL film on the program because uh, it breaks a lot of laws and, and all those things. And I know some other people do it. That's fine. But we don't do it here on a lot on podcast network. We follow the rules. Um, but we did do a, a, a deep dive. We did do a discussion. We did do a little bit of a film study. You get to follow along if you have access to the game replay or if you have access to the, to the all 22 on NFL plus. Uh, yourself specifically the front four so we got we went deeper last week than we were going to go this week uh, but we also got a lot of questions about the secondary and and i got a few questions uh that basically asked was the defense as bad as it looked against the chicago bears and unfortunately guys uh it, it was actually worse than it looked against the chicago bears from what you saw on the broadcast so let's do, let's dive into this and let's start with the pass rush first uh jack del rio bottom line does not blitz uh very often as, as a defensive coordinator according to sports info solutions uh the commander's defense has blitzed 46 times this season, which is 25% of their play calls. Uh, they use a four-man rush 73% of the time uh, and then a three-man rush the remaining 2% of the time. You know, having four pass rushers, three pass rushers, it should make your coverage better because you're getting seven or eight guys in coverage. The problem with that is when the pass rush is ineffective on a consistent basis, uh, it doesn't matter if you've got 11 guys in coverage, someone is going to eventually get open. So like last week, Washington's front four, uh, which they used a four-man rush 61% of the time against the Chicago Bears. It did, they didn't consistently win their one-on-one assignments, just like in Philadelphia, just like with Buffalo. That's been the problem pretty much all year long. Honestly, a lot of times uh, they didn't even bring a second move to counter with after their first move was stopped. And what's really strange when I look at the tape is it seems that oftentimes when one defensive end specifically would employ a second move, 
the other defensive end also employed a second move. But when one didn't, the other one also didn't. So it almost looks like they're either both choosing the same place and not make a second effort or Chase Young and Montez Sweat are being told not to make that second effort by scheme, which kind of seems counterintuitive. It looks like Washington is basically pass rushing on their way to run defense, which is weird because the, the old adage goes, run defense is what happens while you're trying to get to the quarterback. It's either out of fear that this defense can't contain mobile quarterbacks, or it's a lack of confidence in your second-level defenders, mainly your linebackers or your Buffalo nickel, to hit their run fits when they pass becomes a run. If you're going to pin your ears back and rush a mobile quarterback, you've got to have a plan. Like, you can't just go freestyle. You know, you have to have an understanding of what's supposed to happen, and then your second-level defenders kind of have to understand, okay, with this pass rush that just got called, if there's a lane for Justin Fields to run through, it's through the A-gap. So as a linebacker, if I've got a middle zone, okay, I've got my middle zone or I've got my my short zone or my curl zone, whatever I'm in, I've got to understand that I'm also going to have A-gap responsibilities. If the A-gap then gets filled because a pass rusher gets pushed down into the A-gap and now the B-gap is open or the C-gap is open, whatever it is, and now that messes up what I'm doing as a linebacker, if that makes sense. So with what, with what Washington did against Chicago, Justin Fields wasn't being as bold as the highlights might show because Washington didn't play disciplined cover technique, and that's what we're going to kind of dive into our specifics here for this film study that I did on this on this week five defense. Going back to the first drive alone, that's literally all we're going to talk about here. Remember the first play of the game? Should have been a Bears touchdown, right? On that first play, first and 10 from the Bears 25, the Bears are in shotgun. They use motion. They use play action like they do almost all the time. Like we talked about here that they were going to do a lot. Uh, Commander's defense rushes four. They're in man coverage with their corners. Uh, man coverage with their corners, single high safety, which is Derek Forrest, and their linebackers are in zone in the middle part of the field. Uh, first of all, on the motion, Kendall Fuller doesn't do a good job of getting across the formation when the ball is snapped. Uh, he's standing up, lined up across from his guy, comes out of the snap flat-footed, really doesn't look ready to drop into coverage, which is obviously not a good thing. Then with Mooney coming off the line of scrimmage, he was the man in motion for the Bears, Darnell Mooney, drives his stem towards him, eats up all that space. Fuller basically plays it like it's zone. He's backpedaling as Mooney is attacking his space. He's got his eyes on Justin Fields, gets whipped around because Mooney, Mooney sets him up inside, whips outside. When he crosses Kendall Fuller's face, Kendall Fuller is still in a backpedal, so he basically gets spun around out of control. And the result is that Darnell Mooney is wide open with acres of outside leverage or outside space available uh, because his cornerback is on the inside, gave up outside leverage. His deep safety help is inside. So if you're a corner in man and you know your your help is inside, you don't give up the inside. You know what I mean? Like, Or you, have, you don't give up the outside. Rather. You have to keep your outside leverage. Kendall Fuller completely blows that. Uh, Kendall, uh, Kendall, uh, Kendall Forrest, Derek Forrest, uh, meanwhile, even in single high, he's behind the play because he bites way too hard on the play action for starters, especially for a deep safety. And he leaves his deep zone responsibility to come down on a deep crosser being run by DJ Morgan's Benjamin St. Juice. So your deep coverage guy is actually underneath your deepest receiver, which makes Forrest and the safeties, you know, if they're told to, to, to keep an eye on DJ Moore, which is what the telecast kind of speculated above all else, and he's doing his job. But if not, and he's told to be the single high safety, then be the single high safety and stay deeper than the deepest receiver. Luckily for Washington, Justin Fields misses Darnell Mooney. But of course, that was just the start of it. On the very next play, second and 10 from Chicago 25, the Bears are in shotgun, they motion, and they run the ball for a small game. Great. 39 from the 26, Bears in shotgun, motion reveals man coverage, no play action this time, single high safety again, four pass rushers again, linebackers are, are uh, uh, Cody Barton and Buffalo nickel cam curl. They take the flats and screen zones. 
while one safety, Percy Butler, drops into the middle of the field, drops down into the middle of the field. St. Juice ends up manned up on DJ Moore. Again, single high inside help. Uh, I don't even know what to call the technique that Benjamin St. Juice was using other than piggyback technique because, uh, and it sounds disrespectful, but honestly, he reaches out with an arm to try to jam Moore off the line of scrimmage, but Moore slips it. St. Juice is immediately off balance. Uh, he's in trail technique, but really he's just holding on for dear life, which is why I call it piggyback uh, technique. And when Moore breaks outside, St. Juice is completely un- unprepared. He ends up five yards behind DJ Moore. And again, DJ Moore is breaking outside. The help inside is too far away uh, to really help him. And they get a first down on third and long. So if Forrest was told, told to go with DJ Moore, he didn't go with DJ Moore on that route. So it's one or the other. Like If he's told to shadow DJ Moore as a, as a deep high safety, he's not doing it the second play. He did it the first play. It depends on what the coach is saying. And they're not going to tell us what they were telling their players. First and 10 from the Washington 16 now. They start off in shotgun. They shift into an under center eye formation look. They get a short run. Second and nine. Washington 15, that's the sack, which is a good play, right? But Chicago's in shotgun, two backs in the backfield. They use motion. They use play action. Sound familiar? Um, off the play action, if you go back and watch that play, Bears fullback Kari game comes wide open on a wheel route out of the backfield because Washington is what looks like cover two, but Benjamin St. Juice completely bails on what should be the outside left defensive zone to follow Cole Komet up the seam. Cam Curls in the middle zone, sees game leaking out for the wheel route, even points to where Benjamin St. Juice should be, but Benjamin St. Juice isn't there. So again, lucky that Justin Fields doesn't see it and ends up in a sack. Third and 14, you guys already know, that's the touchdown. Chicago's in shotgun, empty empty set with five wide, three by two from left to right, no motion, no play action. Uh, and not only does Percy Butler stay with the inside seam route instead of following more on the outside, again, the guidance was not following more. To me, that seems pretty clear. Fuller didn't follow his man through the back of his own zone. He just let him go, which is why Moore had so much space. Uh, can I tell you a secret, though? If you look at the other side of that first touchdown pass, uh, Emmanuel Forbes and Derek, Derek Forrest did the exact same thing on the other side. Only Forbes didn't drop into his zone at all. He's stuck on the short route inside uh, of his route, dropping back or inside of his zone. Instead of dropping back in the safety there, just let the slot receiver run unaccompanied into the end zone. Feels that a touchdown on either side of the field because Moore uh, is the second read, though. Moore gets the first uh, touchdown of the game. So, And that's just the first drive. That's just the first drive. So literally no plays uh, went correct, correct for the Washington Bears defense and zero discipline, which is what we talked about going into that game. It never got fixed. It never got better. And the similarities on each side of the field, the fact that so many of these players are doing the same thing, honestly, guys, it tells me that's what they're being coached to do. Again, I'm not in the meeting rooms. I'm not in the game, the game plan sessions, so I don't know. But the fact that, you, especially on that touchdown pass, your coverage on the left side is doing exactly what your coverage on the right side is doing. Not all of this is on Jack Del Rio, but Jack Del Rio is responsible for all of it. But that type of a play or the fact that your DNs are both either using no second moves or they're both using second moves at the same time, it kind of tells me this is what's being coached. Uh, and if that doesn't change, it's going to be a long season for the Washington Commanders. So that's our first question out of the mailbag. Obviously not a, not a very pleasant mailbag, but we've got more questions coming up next. We're going to talk about the culture of the Washington Commanders. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by our partners at eBay Motors, who have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster so let's see, let's see who Vinny has picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield, to the surprise of many, has been a borderline QB1 in fantasy while enjoying his most efficient season 
as a reality passer. Coming off of a Buccaneers week five bye week, he should need he should need to pass for high volume in a matchup with Jared Goff and the Red Hot Lions at home in week six. Mayfield has been locked into a variety of receivers, and the Lions can struggle to cover slot target Chris Godwin and tight end Kate Auden. The Bucs also won't be able to run much on Detroit, leading to pleasing passing digits from Mayfield. Also, Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford has been passing a ton all season long for the Rams, but recorded his first two TD game of the season only in week five against the Philadelphia Eagles. With Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and Tutu Atwell all healthy and together uh, as his clear top three wide receivers, he will go to work with an even bigger game at home against the Arizona Cardinals pass defense. Sean McVay has his veteran QB rolling, and Stafford won't disappoint in week six. With his young receivers balling to help Cup, Stafford, uh, has quickly become a rejuvenated fantasy asset for 2023 that should have more big days ahead. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And the same goes for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Thanks again for making a Locked On Commanders your first listen or view today and every day. Every day is, once again, I greatly appreciate you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Football season is here, and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live Each Friday, Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Hosts Tanitra, Jarvis, and Kyle will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know these teams better than anyone else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Uh, Continuing our mailbag episode, again, a lot of questions about just how bad the defense really was against the Chicago Bears, wanting to know pass rush stuff, wanting to know secondary stuff. The question on how to fix it, well, that's a, a super long conversation, guys, right? But just talking specifically about uh, the, the one-on-ones, you know, again, it looks to me like this team is defending the run on their way to pass rushing. And pass rushing is almost a secondary target for the front line. And if that is the case, to me, that's a problem. You cannot win this game by being passive, like football, just football. I mean, you might get away with a win here or there being passive, but by and large, this is a take your victory type of situation on the outside in zone coverage. If you're single high, you've got to be high. That means you're deeper than the deepest offensive player, period. Or if you're shadowing the number one guy, fine, shadow the number one guy. Whatever your assignment is, you got to play your assignment. Then zones, carrying guys through zones, like, You know, everybody's a little bit different, but for the most part, I think most zones are taught. You have an area of responsibility. If a guy enters your area of responsibility, you latch onto him until he leaves your area of responsibility. That is not happening. Too many times guys are sitting shallow in their zone, letting guys run right through them without any type of income and interference. And they're leaving massive gaps for these quarterbacks to find holes in. So just undisciplined defense. uh, That's really what it boils down to. Right. So insider Keith. Uh, one of my Locked On Commanders insiders, if you want to join that, join subtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. He sent me a question, said and it was two-parter. Did we, ex- did we set our expectations too high? And is our culture un- unable to develop players? And of course, talking about Washington's culture, not Locked On Commanders culture, right? 
Did we set expectations too high for this Washington Commanders defense? That's specifically where I'm kind of going with this. Offense versus defense with this team. This team is supposed to be a defensive team. That is not our expectation. That is not media expectation. That's not fan expectation. That is the team's identity. This is supposed to be a defensive team. The defense talked about being the leaders on this team. The defense talked about their players being worth top five money. This defense talked about being top 10, top eight, top five in the league. This head coach talked about running the ball more than passing the ball. How do you do that? You have to play with the lead. How do you play with the lead without leading on your defense? You don't. So did we set our expectations too high? No, we were just following what the team says they're going to be. And the team says they're going to be a defensive first team. That is not the case. That is not five weeks in. This is a team that has a second year quarterback, first year starting, and they're relying on him to keep them in games. That is a problem. Like you look around the league, the other teams in the NFL that are relying on such young quarterbacks to lead them, the Carolina Panthers, 0-5, the Houston Texans, surprisingly 2-3. and Think about this. People are super excited about the Houston Texans. Surprisingly enough, they're 2-3. and That's not good. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're looking better than everybody expected, so they're onto, onto something. But um, that's what you get when you have such a young quarterback leading. Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. Like, you have a quarterback this young. Like, a lot of people talk trash a little bit about, like, well, Justin Herbert, you know, he had a really great defense with the Los Angeles Chargers. Brock Purdy's has such a great defense with San Francisco 49ers. Jalen Hurts has all those weapons and a really good defense with Philadelphia Eagles. That's what you need to win with a young quarterback. Like, that's the trend. You know what I mean? So this is a defensive first team. So, no, we didn't set expectations too high. This team set those expectations there. The other part of the question, organizational climate. Now, that's kind of a per-person type of, of atmosphere. So here's what I'm telling you. There's many ways to build effective organizations. Culture is a big part of it. Who are the Washington commanders? That's your culture. Who you are is what your culture is. If that answer hasn't been answered or that question hasn't been answered, you're going to have a real hard time creating a successful battle rhythm because you're going to have a hard time following a path towards who you want to be. And you're going to have a hard time developing people to grow into what they need to be for your system. Let's put it this way. Plants grow towards light. Why? Because that's what gives them the fuel to grow. Your culture, your organizational identity is what gives your people fuel to grow into who they need to be. So for players, they need to have roles. They need to have an understanding of what the overall organizational mission is trying to grow to. Simply saying, run your routes better isn't enough. And winning isn't a culture. Saying what If you say, what's your culture? Winning. We want to be a winning team. That's not a culture. That's an objective. Culture is found in places like Baltimore with the Ravens and their play like a Raven attitude. That means something. Talk to the players there, the coaches there, it means something. In fact, the Steelers actually used what that means against them just this past weekend because Mike Tomlin knew at some point in a critical moment, the Baltimore Ravens were going to bring cover zero defense to try to pressure the Steelers into a mistake. When that time came, Pittsburgh was ready. Why? Because the Steelers culture is a team that's going to try to impose their will on you, but at the same time, beat you at your own game. The San Francisco 49ers have different cultures on each side of the ball. The offense is going to challenge your eye to mind discipline. They're going to try to trick you. They're going to use motion. They're going to use crossers. And the defense is going to bully you. Those are their identities. That is their culture. What is Washington's culture? On offense right now, I'd say this offense is a culture of that wants to jab you, jab you, and then throw a hook. But right now, the quarterback needs to understand it has to get better at learning when it's time to jab, when it's time to hook. And he's growing into that role. On defense, I don't really know. They certainly aren't bullies. They don't race opposing offenses to death either. They're not just littered with speed. So they're kind of in the middle. They're kind of stuck in this purgatory of a team that needs to be able to take advantage of offensive mistakes 
but then they don't take advantage of offensive mistakes. They drop interceptions. They don't recover fumbles all the time. So if the team or the units within the team don't know their identities, it's hard to fully develop people to get to a certain point because your point that you need them to play at, it lives in that identity. Does that make sense? Um, and a simpler example, if I tell you to lift weights until you're strong enough for me, but I don't tell you what strong enough means. I don't tell you what muscle group I'm talking about. It's going to be really hard for you to go to the gym every day and make progress towards that goal. And it's going to be hard for you to stay motivated uh, as well. If you look at the players that have really thrived the most within Washington over the past few years, Terry McLaurin, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and even Cameron Curl, uh, though people love him more locally than they do nationally. They all have something in common. They're all internally motivated. And not every player is internally motivated. They don't need to have a point set for them to grow in. If they don't have a point set for them, they make a point for themselves and they grow towards that. And that is the difference. Their problem is this is a team-centric based uh, production-based business. Ron Vera mentioned that a lot over the last weekend. So unless you have everyone pulling in the same direction, you're never going to get to a point that you want to be because everybody's got to have the same direction to pull in. But if they don't know what direction they're pulling in, you have a problem. I'm not saying that's what's happening in, in Washington, but I'm saying that is one thing that could explain it. But again, without being inside of it on a daily basis, I can't tell you if that's the problem. Just looking from the outside in, it could be uh, the problem. Coming up next, uh, one of the problems that people have had is this free agent class. Could there be some trade targets on the horizon that the Washington Commanders could trade for to help uh, secure some holes? That's next on today's episode of Locked on Commanders, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Commanders brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Case or Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication in hand. And Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the promo code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com promo code. Locked on. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, folks. Final question in today's mailbag here. Mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders. Uh, We're talking about trades. We're talking about the trade deadline coming up here. Uh, the, the, and Fran, Insider Fran, uh, again, if you want to become an insider, join subtext.com slash locked on commanders. Insider Fran texts me, ask about Jack Del Rio being fired like a lot of you guys did, uh, but also ask about a trade idea. The Jack Del Rio firing thing I mentioned, or I talked about that on yesterday's episode. I basically answered that question there. I know, you know, more than just Fran had that question. So if you want to know my thoughts on firing Jack Del Rio, uh, go back to yesterday's episode and they are in there. But we're talking about the trade deadline here, right? So, some interesting trade ideas out there. One trade idea presented Kirk Cousins to the commanders for Jacoby Brissett and a, dra- a draft pick. Um, I'm going to say why I don't like that trade. 
And that is because trading for Kirk Cousins is only going to cause more problems. And right now, the problems you have are not on the offense, even though there's certainly some things on offense that we want to see improve. But the problems are not on the offense. The problems are on the defense. Not a lot of people are calling for Jacoby Brissett. Even when Sam did poorly against Buffalo Bills, some did, certainly, but not a lot of people. Um, but you bring in Kirk. Kirk Cousins still has a group of supporters in this fan base and in this media. And the worst thing that you could do for Sam Howell right now is put him in a situation where he has a bad game and you start hearing chants for Kirk Cousins in, in FedEx field. Um, honestly, I felt bad for, for Carson Wentz when it happened last year. I got it. Like, I understood why it happened from a fan standpoint. Um, I just also knew it's not going to help anything. Um, Sam Howell's young. He's early in his development. He needs patience from the fans. He needs patience from the coaches. He needs patience from his teammates. And Sam Howell hearing chance for Kirk or you like that, uh, something like that, uh, not going to help his development in any way, shape, or form. So that's why I wouldn't do that trade specifically. Uh, I had some other trade deadline questions. So uh, first foremost, NFL trade deadline is Halloween at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So if no trades, you know, whatever trades aren't executed by 4 p.m. Eastern time on Halloween nights, uh, they will not be executed. But then I was also asked to present some topics or some targets potentially for the Washington Commanders. Uh, I know offensive tackle is a big one. Um, the best offensive tackle I can see out there that might be available for trade uh, is Garrett Bowles, the offensive tackle for the Denver Broncos. After the Denver Broncos lost in week three, uh, Garrett Bowles said, quote, tired of losing, man. I've been here for seven years and all I've done is lost and it's frustrating, end quote. Now, that's not a request for a trade, but there is reports. You know, there are reports that the Denver Broncos might be interested uh, in kind of selling off some pieces. They've already made one trade, uh, sent a player off for a seventh round pick or a sixth round pick. Uh, Garrett Bowles is 31. He turns 32 next May, so he's not a spring chicken, right? But he's a 2017 first-round draft pick, never played in the NFL postseason. Uh, he's under contract through 2024. Adding Bowles would also add $13 million to the 2023 cap. It would add $16 million to the 2024 cap. Of course, none of that is guaranteed. So if it doesn't work out, Washington goes release him and just free up all that money with no dead cap unless the trade they agree to take on some guarantees, which we've seen happen. Uh, in the past, uh, this so far this season, Garrett Bowles is 204 pass blocking snaps. Uh, he's got a 79.3 pass pro grade from uh, PFF, which would be best on the team uh, with Charles Leno, who has a 77.7 coming in second. Uh, he's allowed nine pressures, including one sack this season, which is half the pressures that Andrew Wiley has allowed. Uh, and Andrew Wiley has also allowed four sacks compared to Garrett Bowles one while Leno has allowed three more pressures and the same amount of sacks, according to PFF crediting. Of course, uh, Garrett Bowles, a left tackle for the number Broncos. So you're not really that the only that's that's really the big complication is, you know, if you're if you're trading for him, you're likely doing it to replace Andrew Wiley. You know, is Garrett Bowles going to be able to come in and play right tackle right off the bat? I don't know. That's that's a question for someone smarter than I am on tackle play. Uh, the Denver Broncos also have free safety. Justin Simmons, who's interesting. He's a targeted rumor uh, on the on the trade rumor lines, uh, turns 30 in November, a 2016 third round pick made the Pro Bowl in 2020. He would add $14.4 million this year to the cap and $14.5 million next year. Again, none of that guaranteed uh, for the commanders. Coverage grade is in the 50s currently, though, so not very good. But it could be worth exploring, especially if Derek Forrest uh, and Jeremy Reeves and or Jeremy Reeves are lost for the season. Another free safety, Buda Baker of the Arizona Cardinals, turns 28 in January, would add about $13 million to the current cap. He's a free agent next year, better coverage grade than Simmons, and he's younger. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised to hear that Buda Baker was 28 years old in January. I thought he was older, but uh, he reportedly requested a trade earlier in the offseason. So this might be a guy. He's, he's currently on IR, coming off of IR. Uh, so he might be a guy who's looking to move uh, as well. 
So there's some options. You know what I mean? I wouldn't hate to see Buda Baker join this, this commander's defense, especially if Defoe and Jeremy are lost for the, for the season, which, you know, we hope that they're not, but it's starting to look more and more like they might be, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't hate seeing Buda Baker join this defense at all. McCole Hardman is someone that one of my insiders texted me about, uh, I guess, Rich Eisen kind of talked about McCole Hardman, maybe being a trade target for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he's, he's former Kansas city chiefs. Obviously he's got the ties with Eric B offensively. I don't know that McCall Hardman brings anything that they don't already have. He's faster than some of the guys that the commanders have, but I don't know if he's faster enough to, to warrant adding him to the offense, but he also has punt return, kick return experience and, you know, injuries could always happen. So it, that could be a situation where you bring in a guy like McCall Hardman. Look, if you get McCall Hardman in a seventh for a sixth, I think you, you make that trade uh, and you see where he fits and maybe you get some more dynamic play out of your special teams. But I think tackle defensive back, obviously linebacker is always a position of, of interest. Uh, but look, you know, if your front four is, is can't win what they're one-on-ones, if they can't generate consistent pressure, I know the sacks are up, uh, especially on like a per person basis. And that's great. The problem is those sacks are really a lot of the, they, they kind of account for a lot of the pressure that this team is getting in this team. This, this pass rush is kind of feast or famine uh, right now where they're either getting a sack or they're getting late pressure because the quarterback is holding the ball or they're not getting anything. Um, and then the secondary, if you can't play disciplined coverage, man, I mean, it's, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? And you'll hear me say that more on our crossover there in Freeman. Uh, coming up on Thursday, coming over to come up tomorrow. It is crossover Thursday. In the meantime, if you've got questions or comments for future mailbag episodes, throw them in the YouTube comment section on Twitter or send them to me directly by becoming a lock insider. Join subtext.com slash locked on commanders. As always, thank you so much for making locked on commanders. First listen of the day every day. Thanks for coming through on a consistent basis. Like you do to all my everydayers. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, And I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.